I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I'm joined by Gareth Barker, as always. I also have Andy Dawson here. Normal service is resumed. We're back in our comfort zones in more, way, more ways than one, Gareth, this week. Back in our studio. <laughs> this feels a lot yeah, better, though, it does, doesn't it? It's, it's pro, isn't it? Last week was pirate radio at its best. Three three blocks hovered around one microphone. like, But we got through it in the end, didn't we? But it was all, well, it's, it was bang average. It's normal service <laughs> resumed as well in the fact that some have just been beat. So we're back to that. Yeah. I'm joined by Gareth, um, as always, as you've just heard. I'm also joined by Andy Dawson. You all right, Andy? I'm all right, yeah. Yep, good stuff. Well... We can't waste any time. We're going to have to touch on this Villa um, catastrophe. <laughs> you know, that, that's that's one word. That's one way of looking at it. Complacency, Gareth. Me and you sat here last week and we said that Paolo de Cagnon would not let his players get complacent. <laughs> um, he has actually came out and admitted that he thinks that's what happened. He said they were poisoned. Yeah, poisoned by... Poisoned. Yeah, exactly. So, so it's not like poison... Complacency. We were. Let, let's be honest, Gareth. We were poor all over the pitch, weren't we? Um, yeah. Uh, I think there was some bad, particularly bad performances from people you wouldn't expect. I think Mignolet probably had his worst game for about three years, and uh, Quayla, Bardsley, Gardner. So if four you four players don't play very well to the level that they didn't play, then you're going to get stuffed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Second, I mean. To be fair, I didn't think the first half an hour or even the first half was that bad. It was the, the second half. The second half <laughs> yeah. was, was as close to the Newcastle sort of 5-1 Halloween horror show that I, I can remember, do you think? Um, Maybe. I don't know. I mean, I just think the, we just got done for pace, didn't we, really, um, in, in the game and we couldn't, get, couldn't keep hold of the ball. Just kept coming back. I think it was a different kind of stuffing. Like the five-one one was just gutless. Where I didn't think we were gutless in the game. They did try, but they just weren't very good at football. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Andy, this Sunderland side isn't good enough to get complacent in any shape or form, is it? Really, in the Premier League? Uh, not really. No. Um, I mean, we we won the two matches that we won, um, and complacency shouldn't set in. The manager shouldn't be allowing it to set in either. Um, I mean, as you just said there, I think the first half we weren't that bad. We were two one down at half time, but mm-hmm. at half time I thought there's there's still goals in this second yeah. half. I just didn't think they would all be for us. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. it, uh, absolutely. But is it refreshing to hear a manager, Gareth, you know, not protect his players in the, in, in the sense that, you know, when I spoke to him this week, he you know he said yes, the players were complacent. Uh, managers tend to protect the players and say no, no, it wasn't that, I wasn't down to that, but. 
it, it clearly was. Yeah, I think I think Keane did that a bit, didn't he? Mm. He sort of referred to a level of complacency um, at times. Um, but yeah, I think fair play to him. We have talked about before about you've got to be honest sometimes, and you can't, you know, mm-hmm. paper over cracks. And it's going to be interesting to see what happens, how they react. It's all, it's all, you know, it's early days, and it's the first. You know, we haven't been beaten like that in a long while, so mm. he's got yeah. a task on his hands for Monday night. I think, I think if your your players lose a match, then you can kind of try and defend them in public while bollocking them in private. Mm. But when it's a six-one. Yeah. There's nothing else you can do other than come out and say we weren't good enough. Mm-hmm. He looked embarrassed afterwards. And, and he, he did look embarrassed. But he also yeah. had done it in a kind of subtle way, didn't he? He didn't. He didn't come out. You, you mentioned Roy Keane there, Gareth. He didn't come out and sort of say that was a disgrace. My players were so complete. He, he just kind of dropped it into an answer mm. when he was getting. He got asked the question and he answered it. He didn't make a big fuss of it. He didn't make a big thing of it. So again, you mentioned Roy Keane. You don't. He doesn't want to go down that route too much. Where, where he's, he's, his players become his enemies, doesn't he? Well, no. Um... Don't, was it the kung fu kick the, the tactics, tactics board oh, or asked, something? He asked somebody to put it up for him first as well <laughs> before he kung fu. Yeah, it, it was a whitehead. <laughs> so. Whitehead put it up and it was you know the wrong side yeah. of the room, so yeah. he had to launch across. Um, yeah, uh, you know the canio. It's gonna. It's early days, isn't it? And I think uh, it's a. Re, it's just. It's interesting. You try. It's sort of. It's mixed. Mixed feelings in a way because. You are you are disappointed that you've been beaten six one in a game. I mean, you you disappoint when you lose, but to lose six one, it's humiliating. Especially, you know, let's be honest. Everyone knows a Newcastle supporter, and I'm sure on Saturday night or on Sunday you're like, oh, he got beat six <laughs> nil. Yeah, we got beat six one, so mm. it, it doesn't feel so great. But um, at least we scored. Yeah, yeah, at least we scored. But it's just one of those things. Um, but it, you kind of got to look at it from a from an analytical point of view. You're looking at it to think it's a test, it's an early test, it's to see how he reacts because he hasn't. That's this is the first setback he's had yeah. really. In a way, we we spoke and said we were glad that didn't happen the first game, the Chelsea game. That, yeah. could, that could have been very different for it us. Could, it could have been. Is it? Uh, am I being petty, Andy, in, in, in thinking one positive that came out of it was that Agbonglaho didn't square for Darren Bent to score the sixth goal? <laughs> because yeah, when that... you seen him in the space, everybody was worrying about that. Yeah, yeah be that, lying if we said we went. That would have been the icing on the cake. But there's the thing as well that the fact that a six-one defeat was possibly better than a one-nil defeat would have been in terms of goal difference. Yeah. Because it, it, it brought it brought Wigan and Newcastle yes. back into the goal I difference. Know, and thing. it didn't really affect those too much. We're no. still way ahead. So yeah. in a way it was a victory. Yeah. <laughs> you know a mor- what? A moral victory. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. That's yeah. that's great that we can find these positives yeah, yeah. six one. But did, but the yeah. you know the ring Well true. it could have been different, been, yeah. you know, could it well let's do a it could have been different mm-hmm. and see if Gardner's equalizer had counted and yeah. Sessignor had Which I've seen him counted. Right. Gareth you called the team selection last week. I did. Um, now we're not gonna. I am gonna start blaming individuals soon, but, <laughs> but not, but not as such because rather than you know everybody said right, oh, Gardner had a, a bad game, Bardsley had a bad game. As we said, you called the team, so it wasn't like it was a radical change. No, no. It wasn't like he was you know really you know tinkering for tinkering's sake. This is the same side he played at Chelsea. So, but in hindsight, again, hindsight's a, a wonderful thing, but. You've got to blame a manager if you're going to blame anyone for changing a team. That team didn't need to be changed, in my opinion. I, I, I think you can change a winning team. I don't, I don't agree with that. I think you can. No, of course you can. Um, but a lot I of th- people say you shouldn't have changed a winning team. Well, he's a, you know, people have complained a lot about players being played out of position. Mm-hmm. He had players available to fill all the positions on the pitch, um, and the only real one was 
Larson and Johnson gonna... playing on the on the so opposite side. Yes, but... but that's it. But he's changed his team to put Larson out of position. It's not like no, I can, he, I can understand no, the balls. I can understand the He was playing out of position in the middle for well, the last two yeah, games. Is, is that out of position anymore for him? Though he's playing well, well. Wait a minute, you were saying he was oh, rubbish been, two I, weeks I, ago. I've been his biggest critic, but you know, <laughs> the, in, what I mean is because our centre midfield has been so poor this season. You, you've been looking for somebody to come and dictate play, somebody to come and grab the game. And mm. Larson, to his credit, has finally done that in the last two games. And Craig Gardner hasn't played for a while, you know, for a few weeks. And it's always hindsight. But what's your thoughts, Andy? I'm not saying you shouldn't change the winning team, but in hindsight, that was probably the wrong decision, wasn't it? In hindsight, it probably was. I would have, um, I wouldn't have changed the team personally because I, I felt it was operating quite well the way it was mm-hmm. uh, um, I thought Colback did a brilliant job against he did, yeah. Everton's um, left hand side players and mm-hmm. you know he'll again a lot of confidence as a footballer from that I would have kept him in mm-hmm. um, I, I don't rate Phil Bardsley a great deal you no. know, the fact that he's still here now that queue's is, getting is, longer and longer yeah the fact that he's, <laughs> he's still playing for the club now after all these years is, is a bit bewildering to me mm-hmm. but um, so I would have kept Colback in Larson as you said has played better Centre mid the last couple of matches than he has for the whole of the season for me. Mm-hmm. Um, he's been disappointing all season as he far has. as I'm concerned. Yep. But he's, his tail's been up again the last couple of matches. Well, that's it. And then um, you're taking him out the engine room, aren't you? That's yeah. You, you're playing somebody who's, whose confidence is high. But Gareth, you, you mentioned the Larson now on the left wing, and it seemed it seems logical because we discussed going back to mm. when we spoke of the Swindon fan and we got a Swindon perspective that he likes to play a one winger like Johnson, and on the other side he prefers his full back to get forward and uh, the winger in front of him to cover. So it's logical Larson would do mm. that with Danny Rose getting forward. Aston Villa's right-hand side and their right-back in particular, Matt Loughton, he really, really took advantage mm. of that, didn't he? He, he got forward and, and, and that was we were exposed as being a weakness on that side. I don't think Larson's your man if you want someone to cover at all. Mm-hmm. I, think he's, I think it's one of his weaknesses is getting back because mm. um, he just hasn't quite... He's got a lot of... He's got a good engine, but he hasn't really... He tries hard, but it's something. Think, as the game get, goes yeah. on, he just can't quite get. I think rather than get, get back, there. it's not get forward in the first place, kind of. Well, thing, he's you know? rocking a hard place. I mean, if if you want somebody to go up and down the wing and stay out there and 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 defend, as well as attack, you're probably looking at McLean um, to play left. Um, but and he might do that um, this weekend. Of, well, sorry, this Monday with uh, given the situation with Sessegnon, which mm-hmm. uh, we're going to talk about that decision. The Sessignon with the red card, mm. not for me, Andy. I've seen them given. It's mm. one of them. Do you know what I mean? It, 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 if it wasn't given as a red, if we, if he got a yellow for it, you could understand it. Mm-hmm. The fact that a red was given, you can kind of see it as well. Mm-hmm. But um, I didn't think there was any point in appealing against it. I thought that was a total non-starter. Yeah, well, yeah. I, I think I, I, most I can, of them. I think mm-hmm. <laughs> I can I can see why he done it in a way because you know I mean somebody asked him yesterday if he was. Surprised they didn't overturn the decision, he said no. Do you know? I, sort of, yeah. I think he was expecting it as well, but I think his logic was, you know, we're not going to want to go on mm. a Tottenham game. You know, that shouldn't really matter. They had to, know, they it, had to appeal it yeah. because if they won, if they'd won it, exactly, he's then available. he's available. Well, so what's one more game? Yeah, what's one what's more, more game? But you've, you've also seen appeals where a ban's been increased because the the, the appeal was regarded as frivolous. So, but if he, you know, if he misses you know. the first game of, you'd rather have him available for the three. At the back end of this season, and missed the first one at the start of next. Well, yeah, but the appeal was never going to be it was never going to be overturned, was it? Mm. You just, yeah, you just don't know. I think, I think the fact that um, Suarez didn't appeal, they'll get a lip on over that. <laughs> <laughs> they'll think, no, we, we we will reject somebody's appeal. Yeah. <laughs> we will make Is that. It, I think it's something like ninety eight percent of them that well, something of haven't 
haven't uh, been overturned. Mm. So it's, it's just the whole thing that he's looking at, doesn't yeah. it? It's whether or not you think it was, doesn't yeah. even do it justice. Yeah. Whether or not you think it was a a red card or not, I think there's there's others that just you know the whole Hadara McManaman one. Um, and then you got the Goofran one. You think, well, that's not rev- you know they don't review that afterwards, even though that was a terrible tackle. Mm-hmm. And you know they, they, a lot of it goes down to what the ref's seen on the day, which is stupid, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's that re. It's, it's that we don't want to re-referee the game. That's mm-hmm. the whole thing. But you know, it's a bit. Of, it's it's illogical anyway because mm-hmm. if you start, they do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. As soon as you start administering bans and retracting bans, you are. So. Mm-hmm. Well. Never mind. Um, we are going to speak to Mark Holmes and get a Stoke City perspective. Mark, of course, writes for Team Talk, which I'm sure most of you will um, come across the podcast and, and the website generally. So we're going to speak to Mark in just a second. Gareth, um, this is now back to a bit of an important game of sorts. Mm. We, we were kind of, you know, one eye at the end of the season thinking, you know, the hard work was done probably getting a bit complacent ourselves as the players were it's you know are we hoping now that Stoke's going to have that same attitude because a lot of people were saying they were going to go down mm. um, well, changes and, every week, well it? that's it and they've just won two games on the road the same as we had so they're going to they're, they're surely now think in a position they're thinking they're, they're safe or are we just clutching the straws here I don't think uh, that'll be the case um, but I think a draw will be enough for both teams to stay up this season, I think. I don't think. Well, I've, I don't think we're going to get 36 points. I've said this to you. Yeah. yeah. So I think people are panicking. <laughs> They're not that good. <laughs> Mark, is this going to be a, a problem for you? Because it just, or are you not really worried? Are you just relieved that you've stayed up? That do you, do you think there's any any possible way that Stoke players may have took their eye off the ball a little bit now? Um, it's certainly possible. I always think at this stage of the season that you know the motivation to win counts for a lot and, and clearly Sunderland need that win a little bit more than Stoke yeah. uh, but from a Stoke perspective I'm hoping that on the back of those two wins that the confidence is up because I think that has been probably the biggest reason for the, for the rut, certainly defensively the confidence has been down so hopefully on the back of two wins it'll be up a little bit but I have to agree that I think um, a draw for both teams would, would certainly keep them up Yeah. so what what's down to the change Mark you've just said confidence there, do you think that's all it is because I mean, I haven't. I'm not going to claim to have, you know, watched the, the Stoke games in great detail. But it's, it seems highly unlikely that Pulis isn't going to dramatically change systems and and, and formations and the like. Um, it's, it's so tough to pinpoint one reason for what's gone wrong. I mean, confidence plays a part in it. But um, if you look at the defensive record in the first half of the season, you know, people were talking about it. Gary Neville was talking about it about one of the, the best in Europe. Since then, for whatever reason, that's gone to pot. Now Stoke have never scored goals particularly, so we've always relied on you know the one nils and the nil nils. Once you stop, once you stop keeping those clean sheets and the goals still aren't coming, then that's why you've got a problem. Thankfully, in these last two games, we've kept a couple of clean sheets. So hopefully, whatever went wrong, whether it was players being injured because we've had a, both our full backs have been injured here and there and and chopping and changing, so I'm sure that's had an effect. Whether there's a bit of confidence, as I mentioned before, gone out with the likes of Shawcross after the England call up, his confidence seemed to go. Of course, he had the run around by uh, Ibrahimovic. That might have played in a, a part, but yeah, as with any team that struggles, there's so many, you know, a combination of factors that have that have played a part in this poor run. But certainly, confidence has been one of them. Mm-hmm. What's the situation with Kenwin Jones, Mark? I know he, he he was in and out the team. He, he was in. He was back in favour for a little bit, wasn't he recently? 
He was. I mean, that's another you know problem this season. Pulis has, has stuck with players um, that haven't been playing particularly well, and, and Peter Crouch is a case in point. I think he'd scored one goal in 26 games uh, prior to that goal at QPR the other week. But Kenwin was actually was looking good. I think he scored three and four at one stage. He was coming off the bench but causing problems, looking lively, looking up for it, looking hungry, you know, which you don't always get from Kenwin. <laughs> so Stoke fans were, were, were crying out for him to be to be bought in, but he got yeah. a little run, two, three games, and then Crouch was straight back in the team. Now, thankfully, Crouch had done the business in the last couple of games, but prior to that, certainly Jones was really harshly dropped. You mentioned sort of the fans wanting him to be in the side there, and Tony Pulis has always struck me as a kind of Peter Reid, very stubborn type, do you get that impression from him if, if, if you think almost to, to the point where he thinks if they want me to do something I'm not going to do it absolutely I absolutely agree with that Pulis seems to uh, he he claims not to, to pay any attention to what the fans are saying and he says it's water off a duck's back but yeah, I'm good. certain that he does he okay, pay yeah. attention no, to the criticisms that are being levelled at him and what the fans are saying about this player should be starting this player shouldn't but he loves doing it his own way and when he when it comes off and when he's won a game doing it his way you know he's not he's not too quick to, to mention that yeah. to the fans really so certainly I think that stubbornness has been a problem this season because you know we had such a long bad run and Pulis just would not change the team the approach as you mentioned earlier has not really changed and that's probably never going to change so the one thing you've got to do is freshen up the team but he just wouldn't do that mm-hmm. and, the, and the likes of Jones have, uh, have suffered from that unfortunately yeah, just uh, on on the subject of change and Pulis, do you think the summer's going to be an interesting one? Because Stoke, for a long while now, have been quite after the first couple of seasons in the Premier League, they've been sort of a, a mainstay and haven't they've never really been in danger. And this is the first time since maybe that second season that they've looked in in trouble. Um, you know, do you think there's a bit of a sea change in that people are thinking about is Pulis the the right man, and is that something in the summer that? might be looked at or will there be fan pressure on the board to make a change or is is Tony yeah. Pulis going to have to really start changing the way he does things um, in in order to sort of make an impression again I, I think all of that is true actually um, there is certainly a you know large portion now of Stoke fans that want change simply because it, it does become quite boring moaning about the same things every time you know, Pula seems to make the same mistakes over and over again, whether it be sticking with players on their out of form, as I've mentioned, whether it be playing too defensively, particularly away from home. So fans have got tired of that. But, you know, you try and look at it from a neutral perspective and from the results. As you mentioned, this is the first season that we've even flirted with relegation, really. So Peter Coates has got to sort of step away from what the supporters are saying and and really look at the success overall. Tony Pulis has been so quick recently to talk about the entire seven years, you know, judge me on what I've done over the past seven years. And, you know, if you look at that full spell, then he has done fantastically well. So the question is, after one poor season or, or two halves, two bad halves of seasons, it's probably more accurate because he had a bad second half of last season, you know, is that enough to, to sack him? Mm-hmm. He just... obviously feels that it isn't. But Stoke fans, as I say, are tired of moaning about the same things, really. So it's uh, it's certainly on the agenda. Peter Coates, the chairman, has sort of purposely not not spoken about his future, Tony Pulis' future. But I'm certain there'll be some discussions, and whether it be either a change in in approach that is sort of forced upon Pulis, 
or whether it be a change in the backroom staff, which seems to be happening a little bit, or whether it be a change in the manager. We're just not too sure, but certainly change is the, is the buzzword at Stoke at the moment. I think it's difficult as well when you you always thought with Stoke, going to the Britannia was, and I've been a few times myself, it is it is a difficult game. And it, when that wears off and it just seems to have weared off a little bit, it doesn't seem to have that intensity anymore. And like when the Stadium of Light first opened, I remember for the first five, six years, it really was. Yeah tough place it was really difficult for away teams to come but once that kind of goes a bit flat mm-hmm. it seems really difficult to to lift that again and so when I've say when I've seen Stoke and sort of recently I, I mean I, I don't know if I'm just reading it wrong based on what I've seen on the television but it just doesn't seem to have that intensity that it did maybe a couple of years ago No you're absolutely right and that, and that applies to the, the to the supporters and to the players um, as you'll know yourself, you know the first couple of seasons when you come up into the Premier League, every point is treated like a huge victory, and the fans are just constantly getting behind the team, almost no matter what. Now we're in the fifth season, and, and fans are expecting us to turn up and probably beat the likes of Sunderland yeah. without too much fuss. That's obviously not the case. But also, I think you know the players have got to take some responsibility because they've not done enough to lift the crowd and get the crowd going. You mentioned intensity. Stoke were always famous for for pressing high up the pitch the way that Southampton for instance have done yeah. that's gone out of the game this season and that's possibly part of the reason why the defence has suffered as well because there's so much sitting off and, and waiting for the opposition to break through that yeah the intensity is the key word that is what has dropped out of Stokes play more than anything else mm-hmm. and no surprise that it's transferred into the stands I suppose it brings me on to my next point a bit Mark that you know it's, it's almost a bit cliched when people say a Stoker aside you know going through you know transaction and the like but it just seems like from an outside perspective again excuse my ignorance here but it seems that Pulis had a couple of goes at dabbling with you know the away from the norm a little bit almost and he seems to almost just always revert back to what he knows best now I don't mean this in a derogatory way you know but but Stoke had a had a reputation for a style you know the identity is very clear in the footballing world but the fans, while, while that's all pragmatic and, and, and helpful in the first couple of seasons, you're playing to your strengths all the time and it would be it would be crazy to suggest you shouldn't do that. I mean, Blackburn, uh, Blackpool sorry, came up, tried to play a nice football, went straight back down. But as you've you've touched upon yourself, five seasons into it, are the fans are the fans looking for that little bit of a change now? And also, in your opinion, is Pulis capable of making it happen? Well again, there's no ignorance from your part because you've got it all spot on um, particularly at the start of this season Pulis did try to bring about change uh, the son and Charlie Adam was a hint at that mm-hmm. um, and he tried to play him in the, the Kevin Nolan role if you like behind the striker as the advanced midfielder thinking that he can get his goals he can be a, a playmaker in there didn't really work out but the biggest problem has been that we didn't sign any capable wingers in the summer that's always been the mainstay of Stokes play good balls into the box players beating the, the full-backs. Unfortunately, Matthew Everton isn't the player he once was. I think injuries are- Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Age have taken the toll. Uh, Jermaine Pennant, of course, is, is a no-show these days. And Michael Cartley come in and hasn't, you know, he's been hit and miss. He's been lukewarm. So yeah, it's a combination of things. He's, he's tried to change the style, but the things that we were once good at have disappeared from the game. So the slight improvements that we have made, because we do pass the ball slightly better than we than we used to, mm-hmm. but that's been negated by you know us losing the intensity of the pressing and the wing play hasn't been as good. So it's difficult. And what Pulis tends to do when you know a few games don't go to plan, he tends to, as you mentioned, revert back to his tried and tested formula, which unfortunately is a you know, gone on for half a season, mm-hmm. which has meant, you know, the cloggers, well, that's a bit of a derogatory term, <laughs> but the, the, work, the workhorses getting games ahead of the more creative, skillful players. You know, Charlie Adams barely played the second half of the season, whereas someone like John Walters will mm-hmm. play every game because Pulis knows he'll get 100% out of and he knows he'll get five, six miles covered a game. So he does, he, he falls back into his tried and trusted, trusted methods and that again is, is one of the reasons why Stoke, well, a lot of Stoke fans want change because they just don't believe that, that anything will change next season. There mm-hmm. might be a, a honeymoon period for a while but as soon as things go wrong every expectation is that Pulis will revert to type and will be complaining about the same things 12 months, yeah. 12 months from now. So yeah, it's a difficult one, it really is. I, I personally believe he is capable of change, but I think the transfer, the failings in the transfer market have really, really hampered him these past couple of seasons because he's not really strengthened where we need to. And actually, as I mentioned, where we were good, we've got worse because he hasn't he hasn't improved there either. So with a good transfer window, I do believe that he's capable of getting us playing some decent stuff and, and getting the ball out wide and into the box again. But a lot of Stoke fans feel differently and will tell you it's time to go. Yeah, I guess what you've got to worry about is that you said in a couple of years you had a bit of a poor second half of the season. This year you've had a much, much worse second half of the season. You just don't want then that to transfer into being a poor first half of the season or mm. you could be in real trouble. Um, Gareth, so, where, where do you think this game can be won for Sunderland? Or um, lost? Or lost. Or lost, yeah. probably. Um, <laughs> no, well, I think uh, we're not going to be under the same... Like again, no disrespect to Stoke. It seems to be the catchphrase this evening. Maybe we should call the podcast this evening. No disrespect to Stoke, but <laughs> I don't think we're going to. They're going to. Villa are going to hurt. Sorry, Stoke are going to hurt us in the same way Villa hurt us with a pace. Um, I think that's where we we really struggled. It was the relentlessness of the attacks we couldn't get to grips with. Whereas Stoke are a more methodical side, um, and and don't attack with that intensity. Um, you know, they, they'll definitely uh, move the ball forward quickly. Um, I'd expect that and if Quailar plays and he's lacking a bit of confidence he's somebody who could get bullied mm-hmm. um, and that, that would be a worry for me um, so that that would be where I think Stoke can, can damage us um, from our perspective I think if we're, if we're cute enough in the middle we can, we can outplay Stoke in the middle of the park because I don't really think that Stoke central midfield is a 
up to up to scratch to be honest. Um, mm. And I think that's an area. Dane White isn't win. up to scratch. What <laughs> what you possibly mean? <laughs> if we can win that midfield battle, I just feel um, and that moving Larson back in the middle on Monday night might not be such a bad idea no, based on what we were talking about before. Do. But um, yeah, I think that's somewhere that we we could hurt them, and if we can do that. Then I'm confident that will create chances in the game. Any areas you're looking at, Mark, where the game could be won and lost to Stoke? You must be happy Sessegnon's not playing, are you? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, Sessegnon's the, the one player that we would really worry about. Um, the other one is probably Adam Johnson. He's had a few good games against Stoke down the years. Mm. Uh, he certainly, well, I consider him to be your, your <laughs> biggest defensive threat. And that happens to be a problem for us um, down our left hand side because we're likely to have Andy Wilkinson playing at left back. Uh, on Monday night, he's obviously a right-footed defender generally, but Mark Wilson is not going to play. So certainly that's a little bit of a concern for us. Aside from that, I will counter uh, what's just been said and say that I, I don't particularly rate the Sunderland midfield that highly. <laughs> I, I, I think, think we'd all agree with you there, but you know, <laughs> probably cancel each so, other out. <laughs> yeah, well, it's you know, Stoke and Sunderland are, are remarkably similar, particularly when Martin O'Neill was in charge. I think they've got the same strengths and the same weaknesses. So, yeah, I would expect a lot of cancelling out. Um, but you mentioned Cuellar before. I think that Cameron, Joan, Cameron Jerome could play a key uh, role in the game because he's he started playing in the last few weeks and he's the one player we've got with a little bit of pace. Now, Sunderland's defence has not got too much pace about it. So if he can isolate himself against O'Shea or, or one of the full-backs, perhaps, that can get us up the pitch because what we tend to struggle to do when Crouch starts is get up the pitch because he's so slow and immobile that the teams can just push up to the halfway line. Mm. Jerome's made it a little bit easier for us to, to counter-attack, so I'm hoping that he's going to sort of do what Johnson will try and do for you and stretch the play a little bit. Right. Are you, are you up for the game, Mark? Well, I've arranged months and months and months ago to come up, so I'm up in Sunderland for the weekend, and of course right. it's been moved to the Monday night, <laughs> and I'm not going now. <laughs> so. <laughs> so you're stuck up so here for a weekend. There's absolutely nothing to do. Okay. Um, before, be, um, sorry, Andy, you got something? <laughs> no, no, well. He's off. Stephen's gone. He's like, right, that's that. See you later. <laughs> Bye. Um, no, just uh, my thoughts about the match coming up. Um, I think it's got a goalless draw written all over it. I think um, a point would suit both teams. I think if we get a point, that's us safe. Stoke, uh, 99% safe as it is. Another point will mm-hmm. see them right. Um, they're on a bit of an unbeaten run. I think they'll come here to avoid defeat. And um, I'm not sure that we'll have enough without Sessegnon to be able to beat them. Mm, that's so, how it worry, isn't it? I mean, um, we're we're going to speak about that um, now, generally, for 10 minutes or so as well, anyway. But before I let you go, Mark, can I have a quick prediction from you? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to reiterate that. I think that a draw is the most likely outcome. I think it'll be an awful game for the neutral to watch. <laughs> Probably short on goal-scoring chances and, and quality and all the rest that we usually associate with Stoke. So uh, not for the neutral, but I'm sure we'll enjoy getting the point each. Perfect game for Sky Sports then. Yeah, <laughs> okay. Imagine if it was O'Neill still in charge. Yeah. What a thriller that would be. O'Neill versus Pulis yes, in the okay. battle of stay up. OK, that's Mark Holmes from Team Talk. Thanks for coming on, Mark. Cheers, OK, no thanks, bye. Well, we are going to dive straight into, you know, what, touch more upon what Andy was saying there. Um, we might as well stay on the Sessegnon factor, Gareth. Last week, or not, sorry, during the week, you asked me, you knew that I was interviewing De Canio for Sun FM, so thanks to them for this footage. And you asked me 
what was it? You want to know if Adam Johnson? Yeah, was, well, that's yeah. A, that's been the running theme of my. Whether Adam that's... Johnson could be well, in the when, when... I've been seeing this for weeks, by the way. If people haven't been listening, and he's been yeah, even before. They definitely haven't been be... listening when I've been speaking. <laughs> even so. before um, Pearl Odekanyo came, Gareth was you know he was pushing yeah. for Adam Johnson. I've cooled a bit recently because of the because we've been more compact, so yeah. Session Yonder worked, but <laughs> Johnson in the hole. Well, bearing that in mind, I did ask Paolo that for Gareth. On behalf of Gareth, but yeah, also yeah. on. Did he say that to him? Did also, you? He was like, "Oh, anything for Gareth." Yeah, yeah, obviously, also on behalf of Sun FM primarily. It's the big news, obviously, regarding Stefan Sessegnon failed to get his ban all returned. So, you talked about Plan B's as well last week. What, what comes in your mind now? Could you see maybe Adam Johnson going there, or a change of formation, or do you have something in mind? Oh, uh, I don't talk about Stefan because he's out. I focus my attention to my players. So. I have enough quality for score a goal, for win a game. We have a quality. Danny Graham didn't score yet. It comes the time. I'm sure that he's going to score because in the next few games it, it will be crucial. We have Adam Jones that is capable to score. We have a different way to to damage the opponent. So I'm not worried. I'm not worried, to be honest. Uh, I'm not a kind of manager that cry. Obviously, I would like to have all my players available, many options, but it's not possible. We are going to find a way. To damage the opponent, I don't tell you now if we change a formation, if we change, uh, you know, system. Obviously, but uh, for sure we are going to put on the field the best team that uh, can uh, win the game and get three points. You satisfied with that, Carol? Sidestep. <laughs> tough questions, you see. That's, well, it's, it's, you know, it's <laughs> the tough questions, hard-hitting journalism. It's the most cagey I've seen him regarding. You know, he doesn't give anything away. Team selections and formations and injury news. He won't go into that at all either, which is which is, you know, interesting. But. Is there a, anything you would prefer, Andy, regarding you know who, who could play, I suppose, just behind Danny Graham, or would you have a total shift in formation? Or which way do you think you would go? Um, I would probably put Johnson in there behind Danny Graham because I think we really don't have that many options now. Um, I think Johnson's probably the best of the bunch that we've got mm-hmm. that could do that. And... Um, mm-hmm. I I just like disagreeing with Gareth. I don't even. I'm not. I'm not even opposed <laughs> to the idea. Does, I'm yeah, not even yeah, opposed yeah. to the idea. It's just because he's yeah. been saying it for that long that yeah. I'm just kind of. Like... Everyone's bandwagoning now. And it's all over the, the internet. The time has come for that idea now, hasn't it? Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. But, but it's yeah. it's always the other option, though. That you, you know you go the four three three thing again, don't you? McLean and Larson on the wings, and Gardner well, the most advanced of a three-man midfield. But you think we're a little bit too much there, aren't you? Because then you would have to, maybe have to bring Colback or Vaughan in, and well, I think. I wouldn't. I'm, I'm not uh, a massive callback fan. I don't think he's bad. I just think he's too neg- not negative. Maybe the wrong word, but he doesn't have the confidence and ability to pass the ball forward sometimes. But you know, he probably deserves a game based on the fact he played so well against Everton and then got dropped. And maybe De Canio's thinking, you know, could bring callback into the middle. But he must be disappointed in Gardner because he sort of. Made a bit of a big deal about Gardner, yeah. sort of he quietly. Like he him, say he, he likes him and he's a, he wants him available. He's because of the mentality. Like, like but I he keep, was so he was so poor was, in the middle. Like I keep, like I always say about Craig Gardner, my my issue with him is, is he's not a bad player, but he's just not authoritative enough mm. in a two-man midfield. And without Sessegnon, it's an option to play three in midfield, and mm. you would fancy him to get forward and support, you know, because you, you're taking him out the engine room there. Playing him just behind the forward because, let's be honest, if a, you know if a chance fell to him twenty yards from goal, you would fancy him to take it. You might do. I'd put him at right back though at the weekend. So. <laughs> oh, 
right back. He'd be going back. He'd be going back to right back for me just to get Bardsley out of the team. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure if the Kanye was saying the right back. It'll be interesting mm. to see if he ever does that. Andy, if we if we don't win, well, you've just said a draw wouldn't be the worst result. So I'll, I'll rephrase it. If we lose on Monday. Are we are we a panic stations again? I don't think we are. Um, I don't think Wigan are going to get enough points to be able to catch us. Mm-hmm. I think I don't know who will go down, but I don't think it'll be us. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, as I've said, a draw would suit both teams on Monday night, and I wouldn't be surprised at all if that was the result. Mm-hmm. If we don't win, if we lose on Monday night, we've got the Southampton game coming up, which will be more of an open yeah. football kind of game, which hopefully yeah. we can we can win because Southampton is safe. My my sort of worry, I mean, Southampton's next week. We'll talk more about next week. But initially, is you know, we'll Mark touched on the point there how how high up the field Southampton press, like, mm. a lot like Aston Villa. That, that, yeah. that after the Villa game, I was thinking yeah. Matt Southampton game. Yes, I'm not looking forward to that one as much. But um, apart from that, Gareth, is there, you know, how do you think it's going to go really? In, in, you know, in your heart of hearts, how do you see the game um, progressing? I, I think we'll win the game. Um, I think we just I know what you've seen Andy about without assessing you on you don't fancy us to maybe have that cutting edge but I just think I don't I mean he's saying got Will I mean he was saying Mark Wilson's out but they're going to bring in um right Andy front, Wilkinson yeah. or whatever but I mean those are two they, they aren't very good players it's a test I mean, for the canyon aware because a lot of people criticize Martin O'Neill saying he didn't have a plan B now the canyon we're going to find out if he has, if he's got a plan B because Sessegnon is such an important part of the, the structure of Sunderland, the way we play and our shape, that you know something's going to have to be altered, isn't it? I mean, yeah, I'll be amazed if he went and played four four two, bog standard four four two like Martin O'Neill did. And he's, and he's well, he hasn't got the options to play four four two. Well, yeah, unless he plays Mandron, but I, I, he's not going to. Well, he's basically said he's. Well, I know. Not going to chuck him in. Yes, so, I don't know. He said you never know. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. I don't know what you think, Andy. Or. Um, I'd be surprised if he changed the system. I think if he's going to, he might push the wingers higher up the field and have, have a three in mid, central midfield mm. and have one of them running on, which might suit us a bit better. With Gardner then being Gardner advanced. Gardner being that man. Yeah, yeah. advanced. Yeah. And then maybe Johnson and maybe McLean. Yeah, that's, that's, that's you know, what I'm leaning towards. Mm. But I don't, at the same time, you don't want to, you know, start messing up things too much. It's not the time in the season to start experimenting as such. We, we haven't really played that system. Steve Bruce used to play it sometimes. Um, if you, but Martin if, O'Neill certainly never played it. If you want to take, I mean, again, positives from the Villa game, if there were any, and bring them into the, um, into the uh, Stoke game, you're looking at areas where we could hurt them. And you know, Rose had a decent game against Villa, um, and Dye didn't do too badly in the middle. And mm. uh, Johnson actually had a, you know, reasonable game. He was mm. pretty isolated, but he did okay. Um, you know, they were still sort of playing towards the end. They weren't, you know, they, they were shell shocked and were beaten, well beaten. But you know, it just gives us a bit of hope to think, you know, they've but, not completely shot the bits. The players that we've got with a bit of quality about them could, could surely they've got to be, you know, capable of hurting Stoke. Who, I mean, what is that win against QBR? What's how how is that like their first away win was, all season yeah, or something? Possibly, ridiculous. maybe maybe one more. Uh, I think they might have but won their, one before. Their home yeah. record is diabolical. Uh, away record, sorry, is diabolical. Is. Um, and you've got to be, you've got to be looking at, at, at winning the game. Mm-hmm. I, I know, saying about it'll be attritional, and I just think we've got. I think we've got in, enough in, to in win a, it. In a way, it was was a. I mean, Andy was saying that the six-one 
has kind of worked for us in a way because mm. the team's name was the goal difference thing. But in a way, is six one Andy? Do you think it's it's almost better in a way because we mentioned complacency in the players now. Had we just like pelted out to a one nil defeat or a close two one defeat or something, you would feel that the players were more likely to continue in that vein of form for the rest of the season. Where six one defeat, you know, there has to be a reaction now. The fans and the manager will demand a reaction from them. Yeah, totally. I mean, it, it's almost like one of those freak results where you say it was a bad day at the office. Let's mm. put it behind us and carry on and you almost like just forget about it and start again and try and get back to that mindset that you had mm-hmm. you know in the Newcastle and the Everton mm-hmm. matches well like, when Dukanio first came Gareth because the players you know was a new manager the while trying to impress him you know he's letting them know he's strict he's making them train harder all of a sudden he'll have been on the case you know mm-hmm. he, you know, there's no doubt behind the scenes he'll yeah. been angry about that so in, in a way I could that, that you know that's what I initially thought I thought well at least mm-hmm. the players because Dukanio said to me last week oh the players are smiling and training now. And he made a joke yesterday and said, you know, maybe they were smiling too much. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Well, yeah. Um, that's, you know, that's... It's not... I don't think it's such a bad thing that players are going out there and playing, trying to play with confidence, um, which obviously they got overconfident and as a result, you know, were handsomely beaten. Um, a lot of people are talking about getting carried away, feet on the ground and all that. I think as a supporter, you know, as, a, as an aside... This season has been so bleak that you can't really have a go at supporters for enjoying winning two games in a row and beating Newcastle. I know people have got to keep their feet in the ground, but you got to, en- you know, you got to enjoy it. You got, you know, mm. let's have our three weeks of excitement and then mm. go, you know, maybe it's brought, you know, it's a good thing in a way. But I came out of the pub what, after watching the game on Monday and mm. I didn't feel half as bad as I have done after some of the results. I felt. You know, after that Man United game, and yeah, you got beat at home, man. You, but that's where the kind of you just think we just go nowhere yeah. here. I think we got six points that we didn't think we were going to yeah. get, and mm. we were in a bit of a comfort zone. Maybe as yeah. the players were exactly. Um, yeah. And it, you know, if you come out of the pub on Monday night and we hadn't had them six points in the bag, oh, you, you absolutely, know, you'd, you'd yeah. be banging your fists off the wall. Yeah, and they can you out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah. we've yeah. been, you know, we've we've been lucky to, to to get the results that we've got. So mm-hmm. what, what about the well, you're just saying out there, like we were all kind of in our comfort zone a little bit. So, bear in that mind, what, what do we think the atmosphere might be like on Monday night? Because the Everton game, you just knew that it was going to be bouncing. You knew it was going to be good atmosphere. Monday night's games on Sky generally aren't good atmospheres anyway. Again, yeah, I'm going to say it again, no disrespect to Stoke City, <laughs> but they are the most glamorous of opponents. So They don't but, bring but a lot we, either. I mean, yeah, Everton but brought... We, but we need, every, we, need, we need every little bit helps, doesn't it? And, and uh, you know, there's no doubt that... The atmosphere was a factor against Everton. David Moyes even said as much afterwards. Yeah, um, but that's in the hands. I think uh, was touched on when we were discussing the Stoke game. He was saying that you know that you've got to give the fans something to shout about to an extent. And I think, like say the first half, we did start all right against Villa, and we've got to start the game well, and that that gets people on board. I don't think there's going to be a it's the flatness that's been the problem this season. Mm-hmm. Well, that's it. And that's and you go into the game expecting you might get a result, but you're not going to be entertained even if you get beaten or you you know are you in. So it doesn't matter, and you're kind of going flat, but you kind of feel there was a bit of a buzz after, before the Everton game. Obviously, we beat Newcastle, uh, and hopefully that you know I'm I'm looking forward to the game on Monday yeah. night. And um, before I was sort of with O'Neill in a sense but and I was yeah. you know an advocate of him staying but at the same time 
I wasn't looking forward to we, going to the we match. We were there. We were all there in, in body, but not. Yeah, spirit. yeah. Maybe, maybe yeah. that's maybe that was you know yeah. maybe you've just summed up yeah. the last year <laughs> as a Sunderland sport and very succinct, succinctly. But yeah, I think you know I'm up for it on Monday. Mm. So let's hope. Andy, but all positive. Do you think? Well, absolutely. I think what could help is the fact that it's a bank holiday Monday, so some of the fans <laughs> might be slightly more refreshed yeah, than they would it. be. Yeah, yeah. On yeah. A yeah I didn't think about that. Yeah, people people about are that. not going to be at work. People yeah, are going to be out. Yeah. I know. I would be like be. a vomitorium. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> come seven o'clock. Yeah. Yeah. I'll never forget. There was one match. It got about ten years ago when it was the kickoff was delayed was by just an about, hour. You know what? I was Chelsea. Just about Chelsea. To say, I was just about to say the same thing. The ground was lifting by four o'clock. Because everyone had an extra hour in the pub. You took the words out of my mouth. I was just going to say exactly the same. I always remember when you know you, you put it down in the pub and it was an extra hour. And we won. It was a year after we beat them four one. It was. Wasn't it? No, it was we, just, we, yeah, it was but one we nil, played really it? well and won one nil. Still, penalty, yeah, like you, you say, the atmosphere penalty. was bouncing. Then, so, so, so what I would say to listeners of this podcast is <laughs> get get out there on Monday afternoon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Drink as much as you can. Drink yeah. responsibly. Yeah. But, <laughs> responsibly in in the aid of Sunderland FC. Yeah, yeah. but do it, do it for the do it for the lads. Yeah. There's plenty of pubs putting pounds. And not in the after, in the morning. Get out there and drink yeah, in the morning. Exactly. Yeah, Get yeah. an early start. Some of Sunday's establishments open nine, nine o'clock. o'clock. But just stay out. That's it. Go out yeah. on Sunday, <laughs> bank holiday. Yeah. Get right through, yeah. and make sure Monday night you can't see. And then. <laughs> the, the, also, you, be, you won't probably won't care if you get beat because you'd be no, too, you'd, you'd be too sloshed to, to yeah, yeah. different. Right, we're going to get a prediction now before we go because we've run out of time, and I'll start with Gareth. I'm going to say 1 0 to Sunderland. Okay, Andy, you're going 0 0. Uh, Mind bendingly, diabolically, boring 0 0. Yeah. I'll take that though. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to say 2 0 Sunderland, I think, just to be positive. And I'm normally the negative one. So, you know, on that note, we will see you next week where hopefully the studio will still be working and we will have a guest on from Southampton of some sort. And we will let you know during the week and on your, Shall we do, on your Twitters now. Shall we do that Twittery? Oh, promotional thing again. I had a feeling you were going to. I was going we to try, to and, do it. Wrap, going to try to and wrap it up fa- before you done it. Factor it in. Andy's got about seven hundred thousand followers. He doesn't need. Uh, yeah, he doesn't yeah, need yeah. <laughs> so do, are you going to do it? Should no, I'm going to let I you have do, to it. do it. Yeah, you're, I'm the yeah. publicist. Yeah. Okay. So obviously, wise men say 1973. At all these are at obviously because it's the Twitter. At wise men say 1973 for the the podcast account, which is part of at Salu Sunderland which is the website it's hosted on. We're also now in association with Roker Report, and that's at Roker Report, and they'll be hosting the uh, the, the podcast on their website as well. Um, Get one of them lads on the phone next week. Yeah, the hopefully, yeah. Well, yeah. Um, Andy is at Profanity Swan. I am, yeah. A combination at the moment of uh, foul language and photographs of me dog. <laughs> <laughs> and li- live tweeting is a, a thing. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So, so thanks for listening, everybody. I've been Stephen Goldsmith. I've had Gareth Barker and Andy Dawson with me. Don't panic. We'll be all right. Six nil Sunderland on yeah, Monday night. Yeah. I've started early okay. drinking. <laughs> Over and out, people. <laughs>